Hello, 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 everyone. This is Hannah Cavanaugh speaking, and welcome to a brand new episode of Tea for Three. Oh my God, it's been forever, and I'm I'm so happy to be here with you guys, picking this back up. It's amazing. So, yeah, the first guest that I'm going to be introducing today has been on Tea for Three before. In my very first episode. Um, she's double majoring in philosophy and classics. She is a LARP enthusiast, a mushroom foraging extraordinaire, and one of the sweetest people I know. I'd love to give a warm welcome to Claudia Dana. How you doing, Claudia? Hi, Hannah. I'm doing wonderfully. Thank you so much for that absolutely sweet introduction. I am blown away. I am blushing. Oh, I am a tomato. Well, thanks for being on the show. It's so <laughs> nice for you to be back. This is amazing. I am so happy. Uh, <laughs> so the next guest that I'm going to be introducing is brand new folks. This is her first T for three debut. Um, she's double majoring in chemistry and computer science, a badass stage manager for the Macaulay Theater Club, awesome beater, Avalon master, earrings aficionado. I mean, her earrings collection off the charts. I'd love to give a warm welcome. Also one of the sweetest people I know. I'd love to give a warm welcome to Anne Zatz. How you doing, Anne? Hey, Hannah. Thank you for that lovely intro. I am excited to be here. Hey, well, thanks for being on the show. This is so awesome. All right. So are you guys ready to try some awesome tea? Yes. I think I'm ready. I have a hug and a mug. All right. So I have a very standard chai. And I'm getting like cloves and cinnamon and a little bit of black pepper. I didn't put any mm. sugar in it. And so it's just very, very strong. And there's a lot of wonderful spices. Um, and I do truly mean it's a hug in a mug. It makes me feel warm and safe. So I'd give this like a solid, solid eight out of 10. Would recommend to a friend. Oh, that's so cute. I loved that. Nice. And what about you, Anne? What are you drinking today? Okay, so what I am drinking today is a green tea with peppermint as well. And the way I make my tea, I put lemon and honey into it. And I'm going to check if it's cool enough to drink. Well, I can like, okay. Hmm. <laughs> how, how to describe it um I can definitely taste the lemon that I put in and I can okay. tell that it's green tea the peppermint I'm not sure if it's coming through yet it's coming through a little bit and okay. like I like my tea to cool down to like a nice medium temperature like I can't just like pour myself a cup of tea and drink it immediately like I don't know how people do that but anyways um I don't know I've only had like a couple of sips like it's not bad it, it's it's a very okay tea I would say like a 6.5 respectable yeah. okay hopefully it gets better the more like the longer it has to like cool down <laughs> fingers crossed um so actually yeah. I got a wee teapot, so I have to actually pour mine. It's been steeping for a while, but, um, oh, shoot. I spilt it. Great. Um, <laughs> and it's dripping Ooh, down my leg. Let's keep going. Right there. Let's keep going. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I actually got ancient sage high tea. So it's, it's herbal tea, sage, 
ginger root, um, a wee bit of hibiscus, and some hemp. And it's actually, it smells a little bit hempy to me. So at first I was like, whoa, I don't really know about this. But then when you try it, you definitely like taste the sage. And it's really like calming and peaceful and nice. Um, you don't really taste the hibiscus as much, though. The sage is like the main thing here. Um, but I actually really love it. And I've been on like a herbal, an herbal, sorry, tea craze for a wee while now. But I, hmm, I would probably give it like a seven out of 10. I would say I kind of wish there was more flavors at the surface of the palate. I just, I don't know. Yeah, I just wish there was more flavoring. But overall, it's pretty good. Yeah. And so now before we spill the deets, um, I'm actually going to give a shout out to the company that I bought this pod, this brand new podcasting mic from. So here it goes. Hey, are you looking to dabble in any new skill sets during this pandemic? Maybe music or podcasting, or maybe you're already well versed in those arenas already and you just want to get some amazing equipment to flex all the creative projects you've been working on. If any of this applies to you, then Rub-A-Dub is definitely the place to go. Rub-A-Dub is actually an independent music equipment retailer based in Glasgow in Scotland, and they've been in business for almost 30 years. Holy crap, that's crazy. Uh, anyway, I got a brand new podcasting mic from them, and you can probably tell, I mean, the sound quality is absolutely incredible, like so much better than my old mic, and I don't even need to put a screen over it. It literally has an internal pop filter inside for the plosives, so there we go. Sound is still intact. So... If you're interested in getting music or podcasting equipment such as sound mixers, mics, DJ sets, be sure to check out Rubadub at uh, rubadub.co.uk. That is rubadub.co.uk. All right, and we're back. <laughs> so now that we did that and we sipped the tea, we are going to be spilling the deets on mental health in terms of you know, what our mental health was like when we were younger, how we were first introduced to the issue in terms of being open about it, um, and also how our mental health has been as of late. So I guess the very first question that I, yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, you can't see my face, but it's oh hilarious. So the very first question that I have for you guys, um, let's let's go back in time. Like, what was your mental health like when you guys were younger let's say when you were like a preteen uh preteen ages 10 to 12 i remember it fondly when i still had hope oh in no <laughs> no i'm 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 kidding i'm kidding i uh i would say i was a pretty happy kid until i was 12 mm. and that's when uh, I guess the universe conspired to make sure that my seventh grade emo phase really stuck. Because uh, that was the year of Hurricane Sandy in 2012. Um, I grew up in Rockaway Beach, so it's a coastal town. And a lot happened. My family was severely impacted by the storm, and that acted kind of as a catalyst for uh, mental health issues that I continue to struggle with to today. Okay. Um, it feel like that. It really do. Yeah. Um, me, mental health. So, me, mental health as a child, as a preteen. 
my initial response would be to say that I was not self-aware enough as a preteen to think about mental health. And as to the state of my mental health, I would say, like, I was fine. I, I, I was a person existing as people do. I, okay, wait, is the question like as a preteen or like a little bit of history up until this day? Um, I mean, it could be either or, like however you interpret it. If you want to give a little bit of history up until this day, that's also totally fine. Yeah, I just have a very convenient, like, everything was fine and then the Fire Nation attacked kind of history with my mental health. (laughs) It is what it is. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I think, um, like, for me, because I'm, I'm, I'm kind of similar to you, Anne, in that respect. Like when I was a preteen, I really didn't have like I wasn't really self-aware enough to really understand what mental health was. And, it, it, you know, I went to a private school where that wasn't really like talked about very much. So I didn't really think about it much until actually until I turned 13. Um, my uncle passed away and it was like the first death in the family that I've ever experienced. And it really it called a lot of things into question for me. And I started having like somewhat of an existential crisis because up until this point, I was actually, I was, I wasn't like super Christian, but I was pretty Christian. Like I went to a Christian school and, you know, I believed in all these things. And that's like all of a sudden, like this, like my uncle passes away. And it really like, I think that really affected me because it literally up and it upended what I thought the world actually was. Um, so that was pretty tough. But Claudia, I was going to ask you. So when you when you first were dealing with, you know, your mental health issues and stuff once with Hurricane Sandy and stuff, um, like what did you were you open with your like, were you open with your family about that? Oh, boy. Um, so I'm going to say before I get into it. Um, some trigger warnings for what I'm about to say include but possibly are not limited to and may be added later um, for, you know, discussion of depression, anxiety, um, PTSD, self-harm, hospitalization, suicidal ideation, uh, you know, all that fun stuff. Um, So I would say that uh, after Hurricane Sandy, I was uh, pretty darn traumatized. because uh, I don't know if you guys have ever watched everything that you know and love get washed away by several feet of uh, sewage water and then be stranded on a peninsula for three days without, you know, supplies or transportation. But it's not fun. I can't recommend that. <laughs> um, and I recognize that, like, Hurricane Sandy was a variable experience. I was lucky enough to have somewhere to go after. I ended up moving in with my grandmother, who just took in my family without even asking any questions, um, because she is a very kind and lovely person. Um, But she also suffers from a form of obsessive-compulsive disorder uh, that results in hoarding and at the time, uh, we hadn't really started dealing with it as a family because she 
had been living uh, by herself after my grandfather passed. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the house was very, very cramped. There was the, there was, there were the rooms for people, but they were all filled with stuff and everyone um, was very deeply traumatized from the rapid change in our entire world that um, I remember everyone was dealing with it in their own ways. I watched um, one of my parents withdraw deeply into themselves and actually ended up being hospitalized later that year um, because they were unable to deal with it on their own. I withdrew into myself and just kind of stayed there. Um, I was doing my best not to tell anyone uh, in my family specifically that I was having any of these issues because um, I'm sure some listeners will understand like everyone else is dealing with their own thing. So you feel like in all of your 12 year old wisdom that if you just power through it, you're going to be fine and you're not. Um, so I, I relied really heavily on my friends, but it was also that year, uh, that I started, uh, cutting myself. I went on to do that for about a year and a half. Um, I had brief periods of passive suicidal ideation. I never had a capital P plan that I was able, that I was planning on doing, um, and I was very, very lucky that um, because my entire school was impacted by Hurricane Sandy, that there were trauma um, therapists and social workers brought into the school specifically to help the kids who were displaced and impacted the hardest. Um, I had an excellent guidance counselor, uh, Mrs. Gilger, who was in many ways my first therapist um, who would just listen to me talk about anything for a period and really helped me feel like I was being seen by an adult. And then later on the following year in 2013 was actually when my sister discovered that I had been hurting myself um, told my guidance counselor, and then my guidance counselor told me that either I could tell my mom or she would tell my mom. So then I went home that night and told her, and we had a brutally honest conversation about mental health in the family that night, um, where I found out that my mom had actually uh, hurt herself in similar ways in the past when she was a teenager. Um, she found out that I had been for almost a year that my sister had when she was a teenager. Mm -hmm. um, There's a lot of crying, a lot of hugging, and I started therapy the following month. Sorry, that was a lot. No, good. It's okay. <laughs> I'm I'm so sorry to hear about all that, Claudia. But it's great. It's great that you that you're in a place now where you feel like comfortable, like at least being candid about it and and sharing that because that's that's a lot to go through um yeah yeah <laughs> i think it's 
it's really important to be open with these experiences because one of the worst parts of it is how isolating Mm -hmm. it can feel. And so to know that, you know, other people have struggled with the same things, I think is very important. For sure. Um, But Anne, so how do, so in terms of your mental health, like, are you, are you open with people about it? Like, is it something that's often discussed in your family or do you often like withdraw when you're experiencing mental health stuff? So I'm not sure if my family believes in the concept of mental health. Mm. So like, it's never been something that was discussed and when I started paying attention to my own mental health, it was very much not in relation. Like it was very, it was like my family wasn't involved in that, except maybe sometimes the topic of conversation at therapy. Um, so. Mm. Yeah. But you were able to get to therapy. That's pretty darn Yes, yeah. in, in the sense that um, it's really nice that our school has the wellness center. And so that was my first experience with therapy when like the school has it and it's free and my parents have nothing to like aren't aware. Because like, I, I don't know, I feel like they'd probably be fine with it. But I also distinctly remember a conversation I once had with my mom where like I brought up the topic of therapy and she was like, oh, you don't have to go to therapy. That just means you like need to talk to someone. So like you can talk to me or something. And I was like, mm. I mean, Ooh, that's yeah, I mean, it is kind of that you just need to talk to someone, but also like the person you need to talk to is a licensed professional who and who is impartial and can help you unpick your problems and not your mother who is the cause of some of those. God, I love my common sense filters. (laughs) Uh, That is what I refer to um, my therapist as because honestly, sometimes it just takes talking to someone who's uninvolved to just realize, wow, I am actually overthinking this and there is a solution. And sometimes it's not what I thought it was, but that's okay. Yeah, for sure. It's um, it's funny because I actually, I feel like I have an op like because it seems like you guys, when you've tried therapy before, that you've had. I, I, this is what I'm gathering thus far that you know, there's times where you've tried therapy and you've had like really good experiences. And for me, I don't know. I, it's tough to find a good therapist. I mean, the first therapist I had was when was not yes. long after my uncle passed away because my mom was super duper depressed at the time. Like her and her brother were really, really close. So she took it really hard. Um, so we we actually both decided to try therapy, give it a go and just see what it was like. Um, I guess it was luck of the draw, but the therapist that I had was telling me to block out memories of my uncle with bits of gray which is like what <laughs> yeah so safe to say i never went back to him yeah. um <laughs> i know it's really really weird um i i know so there was dumb. that and then uh 
yeah so there so that was like my first time with therapy but um it was one of those things like i felt like i could always confide in my mom with mental health stuff because we're super duper close so for me i never felt like i couldn't confide in her which is good but um yeah also i've tried i have tried therapy a bunch and it hasn't been the best finding a good therapist is rough no for sure i mean but but what if what have your experiences been like with finding yeah with finding good therapists like how did you know how did you know that the therapist that you had was like the right one for you or did you ever know uh luck luck i would say um i've been in i've been with a couple of therapists my first like i guess formal therapist not provided by a school um wasn't great she was very very sweet um but our personalities didn't really mesh because she kind of radiated the energy of like oh you poor thing you've been through so much and i was like no i want you to tell me to like get through this because i have it in me i don't want you to pity me and it took me a while when i say a while i mean like several months because I was 13 and didn't know how to self-advocate uh, to but I realized I could ask for a different therapist if I wasn't vibing with my therapist. <laughs> so I did that and I was able to um, describe a little in a little bit better detail now that I had experienced uh, therapy, um, what I was looking for in a therapist and that helped a lot. Um, and then I had my second therapist who I saw throughout most of high school. Um, she was absolutely delightful. I worked with her on a lot of body image issues and uh, just uh, she kind of just helped keep me centered throughout the craziness that is high school. Um, I had also had uh, some weird experiences with family therapy. <laughs> and what I will say is uh, you should not use your marriage counselor as your family counselor don't do it it's not good there's some weird overlap and i personally found it uncomfortable also don't have your personal therapy session right at right before your family therapy session on a school night an hour away from where you live these are just some hot tips that are completely not from personal experience (laughs) yeah um is it my turn to talk about experiences with therapy yeah and so what's your experience because you said your first the first time you went to like therapy or counseling was at the wellness center right macaulay wellness center so what's yeah. your experience so, been like thus far? So every time you ask a question, Claudia does such a wonderful job of answering it that I like kind of forget what the question, what the exact specific question was in the first place. But I think it was something about like choosing therapists and like which, like I, mm-hmm. okay, I did not have much of a choice because it was with the school and they kind of assigned me someone. And, but that was okay. So I haven't had any therapy experiences outside of the one provided by the school and um, 
the first one I had last year was left at the end of the year, so I have a new one now. And the first one I had, she was lovely. Um, I like really helped me get through stuff. The one I have now is also not bad, and like she's I don't think she's the best, but I think we can like we can we can talk about things and we don't like it it's okay. It's like it's like it's still productive and good, but I would say not as good as the one last year. But yeah, I I will say that I agree about how the therapy sessions are are like one of the things that really keep me centered and like give me a checkpoint every week to process everything that has happened and kind of think through it and how to and like not keep it all bottled in so yeah I will say for me it's a little bit less about like I mean I will say it's because I have had not bad therapists but I will say it's more about having like a setting in which to talk about things I was going to say, like, something right now I'm actually in between therapists because I had started seeing someone during the pandemic, but it's not clicking quite well. Um, Not even because this person is um, bad at what they do at all, but just I have found that a lot of the situations that I am in um, require someone who is like, who is um, not only LGBT friendly, but like LGBT specialized um, that um, I find myself like I found myself having to explain like what asexuality is to my therapist. And it was very, very weird because this is something that um, early teeth for three listeners will remember. I came on the podcast for the first episode to talk about LGBTQ plus issues Um, So for me, going back to defining, like, what pansexual is versus bisexual, or like what asexuality is, just made me feel kind of weird, because I I wanted someone who I could just talk to without having to educate at the same time. And that's something that's perfectly reasonable to want out of a therapist. And, you know, I don't think anyone should feel bad about looking for LGBT specific counseling. No, that totally makes sense because it's ultimately like about you. And if you feel like what started off as a therapy session ended up being like uh, LGBTQ plus 101, that's totally understandable. <laughs> so I, yeah, I guess that. I sent her a bunch of pamphlets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I totally get that. But um, yeah, I mean, I've tried, I've tried therapy probably around like, four different times. Um, the second time I tried it was actually with um, the Hunter College Wellness Center. And um, my sessions ended up running out. And they were like, oh, I could refer you to somebody. I'm like, oh, never mind. It's fine. And then I tried. That was freshman year uh, going into sophomore year. And then I did. I tried uh, counseling at the Macaulay Wellness Center. And the woman that I had, she was really nice, but I felt like my therapy sessions weren't super productive. Like I kept, I felt like I was just talking in circles all the time. Um, and also I felt like she could be a wee, a wee bit judgmental. So I, we just didn't really mesh and that's okay. Like sometimes you mess with the, with therapists and sometimes you don't. So there was that. And then I tried teletherapy over the course of the pandemic and um, which we'll definitely 
tap into later for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I try, I did it once or twice and the woman was like, oh, you need serious mental health help. You need a mental health evaluation. Like, no, <laughs> like, I didn't think I was that whatever. Teletherapy no. is weird. It's so freaking weird. Um, but one thing I was actually looking into during the pandemic, um, was like, psychiatry and you know mental health medication and I was wondering if you guys had any experience with that and if so like you know what what's been your what has your experience been oh <laughs> yeah no so Claudia what has your experience been like with that um oh I had a time arriving to um my current situation with psychiatric medication so Right now, I take um, Wellbutrin and Lexapro, which are, which is um, a an antidepressant and an anti-anxiety med, respectively. Um, they're, I think, fairly common. Lexapro is like jokingly referred to as the starter med because it's something that treats a lot of generalized symptoms of anxiety and depression and has very few side effects. Um, so it's the start of a lot of people's psychiatric journeys. Uh, because it treats a wide range of symptoms and has very few side effects or interactions. Um, uh, I and I ended up actually using a website called Skype Psychiatrist um, as my um, to find a psychiatrist. Oh, they take okay. most major insurances, um, and I see a doctor through there um I've had a really great experience so far with them and even if I had okay I started out on just Lexapro then I tried something else that I ended up actually having an allergic reaction to that made me want to like scratch my skin off so I stopped taking it after three days it's the meds game it happens (laughs) Um, and then I got on Wellbutrin, and things have been relatively smooth sailing since then. Um, <laughs> I really like my psychiatrist. Um, I found him to be very, very knowledgeable and easy to reach when I was having uh, my allergic reaction. I was emailed him, and I was just like, hello, Dr. Nagel. I feel like I'm dying. I'm going to stop taking this. We should have a meeting tomorrow. And we had a meeting the next day and everything was fine. <laughs> um, it's definitely weird. Um, one of the things I had to accept when I started taking antidepressants was that they do not fix everything. It's kind of like if you are struggling to swim in the ocean and someone throws you like some floaties or a life raft, um, you are no longer underwater and you have something to help you, but you still need to be the one to swim to shore. And so what I found was that I started having a little bit more energy and like desire to get out of bed in the morning. I was able to focus um, a lot of my intrusive thoughts and just background anxieties started to fade away. And I stopped worrying, like, um, do my friends hate me or do I just need to go to sleep? Am I secretly a failure? 
I don't know. I'm going to try to do this thing anyway because I'm not worrying about that right now. Um, I got lucky that I haven't had, other than the one allergic reaction, I haven't had any extremely negative side effects. Uh, some people's uh, antidepressants very commonly, like they say, they like kill your sex drive or they cause extreme weight gain or so on and so forth. There's a lot of different things that can happen. Um, but honestly, uh, there is a great song by a band called Water Parks, uh, the chorus of which is, I miss having sex, but at least I don't want to die. And that's something I think we can all relate to. I really enjoy not wanting to die. <laughs> and I would take a lot to keep this feeling. <laughs> For sure. That's something that I've heard about meds before is that it's definitely trial and error. And the more I looked into it, I'm like, I don't know, because we'll talk about COVID later, but my mental health was pretty terrible during COVID. And it was something that I, you know, psychiatric medication was something that I was genuinely considering. And, but my mom was like, I don't know if that's a good idea. Like, I, you don't know how you, what reactions you're going to have from that. And so, so then from there, I decided to maybe like look into other options and then maybe circle back if nothing else works. But yeah. like, Anne, is, is that something that you ever considered? Or if you ever had really bad mental health days, is that something that you ever looked into before or no? I mean, when I was having really bad mental health days, I was more like in the process of having a bad mental health day and not really in the process of figuring out how to fix it long term. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I have like... The thing about me and mental health is that I'm never... It, it's that whole game of you're not sure if, oh, is this a regular amount of anxiety or like too much of it? Or is this a regular amount of not being able to focus or worthy of doing something about it other than just trying harder to focus, you know? That's such a good point. No, for that, I feel the same way. Like, um, there's times where this is all like before COVID, but there's times where I'd be like, oh, I'm, I feel so depressed. I feel so anxious. And my mom's like, well, everyone feels depressed and everyone feels anxious. And I think to myself, yes. and I, yeah, and then that thought process is triggered of like, oh, well, is this a normal amount of depression and anxiety or well, yes. is there something else at work? One in 10 Americans, I think, has diagnosed depression um and that's just the statistics that we have gathered i would say that just because a lot of people experience it doesn't make your pain any less real um for sure that's uh a good point. if you at any point feel like you know maybe your brain isn't making enough neurotransmitters on its own store-bought is fine uh that was, I always thought that I would be one to just like power through and be okay. And then um, COVID hit and I was proved with definitive certainty uh, that I was not fine. <laughs> and I did need help. And getting that help is what's like letting me go back to school this semester. Yeah, I'll say that 
COVID has really like kind of it made things worse, but it gave a reason for it. So it, I feel like it might be like the thing that allowed some people to realize that I am allowed to like take care of myself. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like it yeah. made it worse. So like no, you actually have to think about the fact that it's a problem because you know that like COVID would affect your mental health a lot so you might address things that before you would have like brushed off yeah it kind of it not being able to see people really made it so that I was like stuck with myself and my own thoughts Mm. and if your thoughts aren't nice to you and that's most of what you're hearing every day some point you might want to deal with that (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a really good point. It's funny because I never really I never really gave myself the time to truly the time to check in with my mental health and to really take care of myself in that way until COVID. And it's a shame that like it took a global pandemic for us to actually like look inward and nurture ourselves, but it it be like that sometimes. But I was going to ask you guys, so before COVID, like during college what what was your mental health like like how did it shift once you guys started going to macaulay oh boy um i had a really weird shift when i started at macaulay um because i was a very like high performing overachieving high schooler and so much of my self-worth was tied up in you know gonna go to college, gonna go to college, gonna get into a good school. And then I did that and I got into a good school. And then I was like, shit, I'm sorry, I'm not supposed to swear. And then I was like, crap. Well, you can swear on the show. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you can pick whatever. You're fine. You can pick whatever soundbite your little heart desires. (laughs) Um, And I was like, okay, I, I got here. What the hell am I supposed to do now? And I was just kind of floating for a little bit. I didn't, I was able to present as if I had a goal, but I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't have the same drive because I didn't have a plan anymore. Hmm. And I ended up um, isolating myself a lot my first semester, semester and a half in the dorms. Um, because you know you're alone in a single room and you don't really have to go out and see other people so I didn't and just spent a lot of days not getting out of bed until 7 p.m when I would text Nadia and just be like hey we're walking to 7-eleven because I need to be a person today (laughs) yeah and then things just kind of got worse in my sophomore year so last year and Mm. I kept getting myself into these really high stress high anxiety situations where I would put too much on my plate and not have enough time to deal with the work I had to do as well as taking care of my mental health that uh, it was kind of like a perfect storm before the pandemic. I was ripe for a breakdown. And oh boy, did I get one. <laughs> I'm sorry, Claudia. Oof. Um, 
But so Anne, like how did your mental health change like once you started going to Macaulay? Okay, so sometimes I forget that mental health has so many different aspects to it. Like Claudia, when you mentioned the thing about thinking about the future, I feel like that was a major aspect in which I had a lack of mental health. So I feel like, okay, I got to college and it was lots of fun and I was having a good time. And then every month or so, I was having an existential crisis about not knowing what I was going to do with my life. And every time I thought I had it and I had it all figured out, and then the next month I would have the same exact crisis about the same exact thing. And so. It wasn't, and I will say another thing that college allowed me to do was to, similarly to Claudia, heap a bunch of things onto my plates. And so like as each semester came to a close and like things were picking up, that was never a good mental health time. Yeah. Um, when I got to McCall, yeah, high school. I feel like I have to preface this with a bit of like high school stuff, like to, to see what changed because you asked what changed. Um, okay, at the beginning of high school, freshman year, I had like horrible mental health. Like it was not a fun time. Like I kind of, um, but then like as it as high school progressed, like I got better. But there, and then I got to college, and it was like, oh, things are even better now, and yet I am finding new ways in which. My mental health can be not good. And some of those ways were dealing with having so much on my plate. So I had to, I feel like this is a common thing that like once you get to college, you have to learn how to study. And for me, that's still an ongoing process. Everything is mental health. Like everything in some way contributes to your mental health. What you are eating contributes a little bit. How much you, mm. oh my God, the quality of your sleep matters so much. If college <laughs> has taught me anything, it is that I actually do need to sleep a minimum of six hours a night to feel like a person because giving your mind and your body the time to rest and recover from whatever you were doing the previous day and whatever you were dealing with is so vital to continued healthy living. Um, yeah. I was going through some of my old bullet journals from high school and I used to like track how much sleep I got and it'd be like three hours, three hours, two hours, four hours. And I was like, wow, no wonder I was a depressed mess. I didn't freaking sleep. <laughs> yeah. Like I remember in high school I had to, like, I usually got like five or six hours, but for me, that's nowhere near enough. Like, I need—I know I personally need my nine hours. And so, like, college, like, every single day of high school was so little sleep and waking up so early, like at 6 a.m. And now, and I, like, did that every day, like, same. And now it's like, I get, like, my nine hours every night because I can choose my own class schedule, which is lovely. but if I ever need to get so much less sleep, like I'm dead the next day, mm -hmm. how did we do that for all of us? This is like not a, 
kind of a tangent, but like, why how did, do we do that? Why did high school force us into oh, such important. deeply unhealthy behaviors? That's the real question. Why was it that I was at like a three cup of coffee a day habit as a junior in high school? Because that wasn't good. That wasn't smart. <laughs> that set me up for some weird finals weeks when I would just drink a cup of coffee and then go to sleep and be fine. Anne is giving me a look like I have lobsters I've, growing I've out of my ears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually, you guys brought, both brought up like amazing points in terms of like how it's all intertwined and how everything does contribute to mental health because like, God, going into college, my sleep schedule was horrible. I think junior from junior year to sophomore year, the average sleep I would get was three to four hours a night. And looking back, I'm like, I don't know how I did it, but I mean, it's high school good. me was like, oh, you know, I don't need as much sleep as people say I do. And also like, you know, that, you know, the more, t the longer I'm awake, it means like I can be more productive because I'm awake most of the day. And it's like, Hannah, that's just not how this works. Um, yeah. But going into college, I was on a very similar like wavelength compared to you guys in terms of you know going in not really knowing what I wanted to do I want for the longest time I wanted to act and then senior year of high school I'm like I don't know if I want to act anymore and that was kind of like when the me too stuff came out so I was like ah, I don't know if this is for me so you know going into college I had no idea what I wanted to do and also like right when I moved into Brookdale right when I moved into the dorms my my mom and her ex broke up and they were together for like six years. And I saw him as like a father figure. So it, having that happen all at once was like pretty crazy. And um, I wasn't dealing with mental health stuff in the best way. I was dealing with it by making really like drastic decisions. So, you know, one the day I... Piercing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Except for piercing. I just, no, no, you're fine. No, I literally got it on. It was literally after a bio lab. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go get it today. And that's exactly what I did. And it was like a bull ring. And then I, I took it out after like a few months. But that was quite a time. And then, um, yeah, sophomore year, I, I, was with, I had a brief thing with a pretty toxic person. So... I wasn't really handling my mental health in the best way after that either. Still making rash decisions. Um, randomly got my all, most of my hair chopped off. And um, yeah, and then just do just doing things that were very out of character. So going, going, you know, at least the first couple of years of my college experience, as much as they were fun, like I was not handling my mental health in the best way, like at all. Um, yeah, and it got to the point, I remember... Um, God, I remember Claudia, we were like paired for a project, right? And so mm -hmm. after we, I was supposed to go down to the cafeteria hall to do work, I couldn't even make it down the stairs because I was so depressed. I, my bed, my bed wasn't made, like there was shit everywhere. And yeah, it got to the point where Claudia, I mean, you, you were so, you're so nice. You like came up to check if I was okay. Um, but no, it was, pr yeah. So going into the college was pretty rough mentally before COVID, let alone um, during. So I just want to check in with you guys. Like, how are you doing during this COVID-19 pandemic? 
Um, yeah. And how, so what was your mental health like at the start of it? And how do you feel like it's changed as we've gotten used to this new normal? Well, okay. and you go first. I, uh, I need to figure out how to phrase all of this. Yeah. Um, okay. When you say the start of the pandemic, you mean right after the pandemic hit and okay. So before the pandemic, I was just like chilling, living my life. And then the pandemic happened and that was not a fun time. It's like, have you seen that meme? That's like, you can't believe that it's already January because you're still processing last March. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like March took a long time to process and it it was definitely weird getting used to like the new normal. And it was definitely not a fun time. Like I like, like, I think I specifically as a, like, I like being involved in like 10 gazillion things and having like to be in three places at the same time and um, seeing lots of different people. And then now I'm just sitting at home with nothing to do but classes because everything else has been canceled. And so that did not contribute to a fun mental state. Yeah. Um, as it, and as the pandemic has progressed, I mean, we've all kind of gotten used to it, I guess. Like, and, and things are happening more now because people have adapted to the online format. So now it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to theater club rehearsal over Zoom. And that's how it is. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was not, a, it was not a fun time and it is still less of a fun time than it could be. So I actually wrote out notes from month to month because I couldn't just conceptualize it in the abstract. I needed to actually figure out wh- when things happened. Uh, oh, fair. March, I just wrote, March, I just wrote confusion. Fuck. Um, moved to New Jersey. That was weird. Um, I moved in with my partner of three years next month um, because the the second I read the email that said CUNY was moving to distance learning, I just wanted to get out of Manhattan as soon as possible. So I ended up just, at first I had just planned to stay in New Jersey and I'm still here. Uh, and a lot has changed since then. Um, I still tried to go to classes as things were getting figured out in April. Um, I mostly existed um, either as a blanket burrito, binge-watching Shira, or playing Animal Crossing. There should be a conspicuous lack of classes where I just would go to maybe one or two a week out of the five that I had. Um, May, what are finals? Or the story of how I wrote four term papers in a week. I did not do well on any of these papers and took complete advantage of the Hunter College credit, no credit option, because I had to. Um, 
I also started taking my medic, uh, started uh, seeing a psychiatrist in May because I was at a point where my roommates um, talked to me and said, hey, you are not okay. You shouldn't be disassociating and just existing in a video game. You need help. And we really think that this would be good for you. Um, so I started, um, I started taking meds. I was doing my best to just pull something together to salvage the semester. Um, and that was also when I started thinking about taking a gap semester in the fall because I was just so exhausted from the spring semester that I didn't think I was ready in the slightest to do another virtual semester. Um, so the summer would be categorized best by um, learning how to mushroom forage, which was actually really good for my mental health because it forced me to go outside and exercise and I started studying different mushrooms and fungi and learning more about my local uh, ecosystem. And it gave me something to focus on. It gave me something to go outside for. I really love cooking, so it gave me a whole new host of ingredients to cook with. Um, and it was also something to do with my partner. So it was a really positive and wholesome bonding activity, especially because a lot of my other social things that normally would have been happening, like LARPing, where you know you get all of your violent urges out by pretending to be a goblin and trying to murder a town, um, <laughs> I couldn't really do that. So mushroom foraging was honestly a really great quarantine hobby. Um, I also adjusted my meds at that point to be on what I am on now, and that has helped so much. Um, I didn't go back to school in the fall, and I just took a break. I have, that was when I started working with a therapist again. I have been like journaling on and off throughout the pandemic um, and trying to use that to kind of track where I'm at. And then uh, at the end of November, I got a job. Um, it's just a cashier gig at Michael's, but it's honestly been really helpful for my mental health, which is something I never thought I'd say about working retail. Um, but it's been good to have that schedule and structure and gratification. And also I'm a very extroverted person. So as much as I despise the idiocy of the general public in any sort of um, retail situation, I do really appreciate the good customers that I can talk to about, you know, old cartoon stills that they're getting framed or, you know, weird crafting hobbies or give them baking tips. Um, and that's been really good for me. And now I feel significantly better prepared to not only go back to school and just take classes, but I feel like I'm actually in a place where I can learn again. And that's, that's really awesome. exciting. That deserves like a round. I want to do like a wee round of, I wish I had the clapping emojis for the squad cast thing, but... That's amazing. I mean, it's great that you found like a series. Yes. <laughs> it's great that you found like a bunch of outlets that like nurture your mental health. It's great that your partner and your roommate were like, were have been supporting you throughout all of this. And, 
And also, Anne, I think it's great that it's great that you're getting used to like the remote online format as well. Cause you were saying earlier, Anne, that like at first it was daunting and then you were like getting more used to it because of because it's such a big part of our yeah. lives now. But I feel like yeah, I mean I think because I think there's still a lot of people that are grappling with the whole idea of remote learning. You know what I mean? But yeah, I will yeah. say that um on the journey to getting used to it, I had weekly like mini breakdowns on Tuesdays because Tuesdays were the days that I had um what was it like three no it was more than three it was like four hours of zoom class like straight through okay maybe it was three but either way it was a lot of hours and it was straight through and for one of the classes which was two hours I had to keep my video on the whole time and like no that was horrible and like like that was where I truly learned the meaning of Zoom fatigue because you like, and especially with your video on, like you have to, like it's the being seen the whole time and like, like being observed, having to be a person, having to like, that emotionally, that was not a good time in the slightest. The pandemic made me kind of have to think real like even harder about my study habits because I had like the main cause of stress in my life in the fall semester was my physics class because it was at 10 in the morning and I could never focus because I was half asleep but also because like I don't know if I would have been able to focus better in person but I could not focus and that was a source of, I couldn't focus virtually because half the time I would be in bed, half the time I would be half asleep. And yeah, and I would just zone out. So yeah, learning was not any easier. Yeah, well, I mean, hopefully, hopefully this semester you don't have like three hours of zoom straight for like one because that's a lot to take in i mean that's a lot to deal with but um it's on a similar wavelength with remote learning spring semester i mean i actually thought spring semester of remote learning was easier than fall semester because at least during the at least spring semester at the beginning we got to meet our professors they kind of knew our faces they kind of knew who we were fall semester was a whole other story because i felt like you know we were just meeting these professors for the first time but like virtually it was just so weird for me um but i think the first couple of months of the pandemic it was more like taking everything in because i was so shocked um and i think that's part of the reason why I, I i know a lot of people left brookdale during like before um we received notice to leave um but i actually stuck around till the very end because i felt like i didn't want to come to terms yeah <laughs> Yeah, I'm a I'm a real one, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but I just didn't want to come to terms with um with reality, you know? And staying at Brookdale, it's like I could even though no one was around, I could just sort of pretend that at least have some sense of escapism that things were fine when they really weren't. Um but then when I moved back home, as much as like my mom and I are close and, you know, she it, I don't feel restricted at home in any way, but it was still really tough for me to learn from home, for sure. Um and I kept thinking, 
I think Zoom was just a constant reminder of things were far from okay. And so there was moments where, you know, I'd I'd break down in class and I'd have to turn off my camera just to sob a little bit and then gather myself and then turn my camera back on. Because, you know, it was a lot. And um, I think the summer was pretty tough, too, because, you know, I was taking a summer class and I was babysitting my next door neighbor's kid like a few days a week just to kind of have something to do. But um, I actually, right before COVID, I was applying for a bunch of like volunteer abroad opportunities and study abroad opportunities. And I got a position as a volunteer uh, for this nonprofit called Leap. Um, And, you know, if if things were normal, um, I would have went to Lebanon over the summer for two months to teach English to Palestinian refugees in Lebanon. so I think the summer was really rough because I'm like, if things were fine, like I would be, I wouldn't even be here. I'd be in Lebanon right now. So it was just, I think that was a lot to take in. And I, during the summer, I think that was really like my low for me where I started feeling really, really depressed. And it got to the point where I was having like passive suicidal thoughts and, and really, and also really horrible mood swings as well. Like sometimes there'd be one instance where I'd be laughing and then all of a sudden, like I'm crying and I don't really know where this, all these whirlwind of emotions are coming from. And that's what actually led me to teletherapy because my mom was like, listen, this is really tough for me to deal with. Like you need professional help. That's when I tried teletherapy for the first time was because of that. Um, and then I also went to my care physician as well for help and for referrals. So yeah, I think I was a turning point for me was when I, I ended up feeling tired of feeling that way. Like I wanted to do something about it. I was tired of feeling depressed, tired of having these thoughts. So I actually decided to pick up working out, <laughs> which um, is funny because before COVID, I would have been like working out. Okay, whatever. But my mom is like, a health and fitness junkie. She works out all the time. She eats super clean. And she's for the longest time, she's been encouraging me to do the same thing, you know, and she kind of made an argument like it, it could be good for your mental health. Like just give it a go and see what it's like. So I tried working out and, and I'm eating healthier and, and it really made all the difference. Like I feel so much better as a result of that. Um, you know, I, and made me realize like, you know, taking care of yourself is important because, yeah, not only does it feed into mental health stuff, but, you know, you're the only you're you're with your you're with yourself right for the rest of your life. Right. You're with your conscience. You're with your thoughts for the rest of your life. Why would you torment yourself? It's important to, you know, get the help that you need to take care of yourself. So, yeah. And now I, f- I feel like I'm in a much better place. And um I think part of that also has to do with not taking on as much because the fall because fall semester was tough. Um, I took on four classes, a 15 hour a week internship. I was trying to do two or three, but it wasn't. It kind of fizzled out and I was doing student government stuff. So it was just too much. Um, But I really just did that so I could distract myself from any negative thoughts that I would have. Sometimes it's good to look inward and have just some space and time and room to just breathe so yeah (laughs) that was a lot but that was that was my uh my COVID experience but uh Claudia were you gonna say something earlier I didn't interrupt you before 
I mean, I just wanted to say that I'm super proud of you for actually getting the help that you need and deserve. Because that's the hardest part is deciding that not only that you are tired of feeling that way, but that you deserve to feel better instead of just trying to make it stop. Uh, that's a really big and really important step. And it's fantastic that you hit that. And I don't remember what I was going to say before. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry, hopefully it comes back before the end of this. But um, wait, so Anne, I was going to, because I, I know we, Claudia and I, like we both kind of touched upon it, like what we've been doing to kind of keep ourselves sane during these trying times. But like, Anne, like what do you do to kind of check in with yourself and like take care of yourself mentally during these times? Yeah. I was actually going to mention that, like, um, to add on to what you said about working out, I will say that during the pandemic, um, I did start working out pretty consistently. And I think that was a very good thing for my mental health, because a lot of it is like overthinking. And I feel like I'm just in my head most of the time. So getting out of that mindset and doing something like physical to be like just just like do some push-ups and it kind of like gets you out of your head and like endorphins those 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 happen when you work out that that's good for you yeah mm -hmm. so that is a thing and also um things that helped during covid yeah something that has helped a lot is just focus like really focusing on maintaining my relationships with people and like social interaction like that's that was one of the biggest issues during the pandemic so like scheduling calls as often as possible like keeping a list of my friends and like who I haven't talked to in a while to like make sure to talk to each of them this week things like that um me and Claudia started writing letters to each other that was really nice um yeah, I have one in the mail right now. Yeah, and I've been needing to write you one for a while. Um, but yeah, and just like FaceTiming everyone as often as possible. And it also helped me to get things done, like while I have things to do like around the house or studying to do, I would call a friend and it would be hanging out, but it would also be doing the thing I needed to do. So that really helped me because like during the pandemic, I kind of noticed that like I'm around other people so much that it is weird to not have like some form of presence in the same room like whether it be over like even if it's over zoom or even if it's like listening to a podcast for sure yeah, yeah. it's funny that you um brought up the facetiming thing because it reminds me of like of times at brookdale where we would like hang out together and we would be around each other but we would also do work at the same time like in the lounges and stuff so i actually it's really cool I mean that you like kind of recreate that by facetiming your pals but then you're still doing work at the same time it's pretty dope um yeah really yeah helped. 
It reminds me a lot of when I would just ask either of you to come into my room and just be like, I just need you to sit there because if someone else is in the room, I will clean it. And I just can't do it by myself. So I need your presence to shame me. (laughs) No, we never shame you, but... (laughs) Yeah, no, oh, I'm I miss those times. I can't wait to just have all that back again. But you know, it, it's this is only temporary. You know, that's how it be. But um, what are your so going into the spring semester? Is there anything that you hope to do differently in terms of or mental health wise, or just in general? Like, what are your what are you looking forward to for the spring semester? It's more of a, like a check. Going to my classes. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's a big one. Um, I'm really excited because two of the four classes that I'm taking are with a professor that I have already had. Um, oh, great. Because the philosophy department is small and I love them all dearly. Um, so there's already some sort of a connection. So I don't have to worry about like getting to know a new professor. Um I actually like have a planner. I'm using it. I'm going to continue to see, I'm going to continue to try to find a therapist and continue to see my psychiatrist. Um, And also I hit a, I guess, a realization of like a new professional goal that I'm okay working towards. Um, And so I'm really happy because now I have more of an idea of what it is that I want to work towards um so that's pretty neat (laughs) nice that's great okay yeah good times um going into the spring I will say like this has been a journey for a long time the whole being mindful of taking care of myself. You gotta make Bart proud. Yes. Taking care of myself over doing every single thing I can get my hands on. Like, getting involved in, like, everything. So, like, like, I've been trying to limit the amount of things so that I, like, don't have too much on my plate but that will continue to be a journey that I'm continuing in the spring. And also you mentioned that you hope that in the future, I won't have any more like four hour long class, like zoom sessions in a row. And I realized that I will on Wednesdays. No! But, <laughs> but what? No. I think it'll, I think I'll, like I need to stop being like, I'll just be fine. But I think, but like, just prepare for the day to suck, take extra care of yourself after, yeah. and block out time to just not be a person after. Yeah. It's like Perfect. one of the few things that I kept consistent in this in last spring was going to the Macaulay weekly meditation sessions. Um, oh, I miss those. Me too, and I'm upset that they've been cut from the budget. It is terrible. I miss Bart so much, Bart. Um, was this lovely gentleman who used to uh, run these weekly guided meditation sessions. And I have taken a lot of the things that I learned from him uh, deeply to heart. Uh, One thing 
that I keep reminding myself during the pandemic is that you can't control the emotions that you feel and you just have to do the best you can to let meet them with compassion and then release them when it's time for them to go. Um, and it's much easier said than done, but that's been a really big part of how I've been dealing with being overwhelmed by stress and anxiety in the pandemic. And I do think it's genuinely just excellent advice. No, for sure. And it takes out like the sense of, cause I don't know about you guys, but for me, when I, when I feel down one day, like I tend to beat myself up about it. I'm like, Oh, I shouldn't be feeling down because things are going so well and my life isn't that bad. Yeah. And so I think, you know, not maybe like not judging yourself and just saying like, okay, these are the emotions that I'm feeling. I'm just, I just need to ride this out until it's no, I think that's a great point, Claudia. And, um, and in terms of like what you said about still trying to figure out how to not take on too much, like that's kind of my goal spring semester is to just not take on too much. So it turns out, um, three, uh, so I have, okay. So three of the four professors that I've that I have this semester, wait, are pro- sorry, three out of the five are professors that I've already had, which is like a huge weight off my shoulders. I'm like, at least I know what the schedule's like, what the format's like. So I, I'm totally fine with everything. So I, I think in terms of the spring semester, I'm just kind of looking to take what I've learned th- during this pandemic and just continue to apply it as I move back into Brookdale semester. And um, yeah, just kind of be on top of my mental health, but all the while, like my academics as well. Um, yeah. So for the, I have one final question, um, for anyone. So what advice would you give to anyone right now that is currently struggling with their mental health during times like this? What would you say to them? Okay. Um, I don't know. I'm no mental health expert. So what I would say is like, maybe you should see a mental health expert, but also, I think I've been wanting to mention is like there there are jokes on the internet about like the notes app being your therapist and I mean there is some like the notes app has gotten me through a lot of things because it is just the concept of writing down your thoughts and having them like out there in like a clear thing so that you can, like, what? Format. Format. Yeah, Yeah, probably format, where you can, like, process them one at a time, because for me, it's, like, I'm always overthinking, and there's, like, 10 different thoughts happening at the same time, and they're all banging around in my brain, so instead, if I write them down, they will be there and not in my brain. So I'm not saying notes app therapist, but... (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I would like advice. I would just say to like, yeah, journaling, that sort of thing. I would say just like to take care of yourself and to be forgiving with yourself. Yeah. Because like we're in a pandemic and you don't have to beat yourself up about not being the best version of yourself because we're in a hecking pandemic. Yes. That is Great all point. excellent, excellent points. Um, uh, advice that I would give, uh, your worth as a person is not tied to your productivity. 
you still deserve love and affection and support. Um, Even if maybe you aren't doing the best at school or, you know, you aren't working as hard at your job because we're in a pandemic and it's rough. And even if we weren't going through a pandemic, you are more than just someone who creates data and output. You are a person first and you need to regard yourself as such. Um, If you can't make your own neurotransmitters, store-bought is fine. If you've been thinking about seeing a psychiatrist, I really recommend at least looking and trying looking online and trying to talk to one, even if it's just, you know, for a consultation. Um, Most most insurance plans right now are actually waiving co-pays for mental health services because there is such a high demand and because it's such a necessity right now. Um, So Mm -hmm. if that is something you've been thinking about exploring, go for it. you are not wrong or bad or less for looking for any kind of help right now. You know, people need people. Your friends love you. They want to be there for you. You are not a burden for asking for help or support. And, you know, you deserve all of the love that you are receiving. And that you also deserve some of that love to come from yourself, even when it's hard. That's very well worded. That was beautifully put. Wow. Um, I would. That's amazing. You guys both gave like pretty, like amazing pieces of advice. Um, I guess along a similar vein, like you know, I think people often. I feel like people, at least you know, college students and academia and stuff. Like we often neglect ourselves right for like you said at the sake of productivity so i think it is really important to just be kind to yourself and that can be through anything it could be through just taking care of yourself make sure to just even the simple stuff like showering every day just getting changed every day doing the little things to really pamper and take care of yourself can really make all the difference as well as carving out time to do things that you love that you enjoy and not just carve out time for work, work, work. It's also important to have some free time to yourself too. So it's important to just carve out that time and just really take care of yourself. But um, yeah. And so with all that being said, um, Claudia, and thank you so much for coming on Tea for Three. This has been amazing. I loved this. Thank this you been- for inviting. Thank you. This was awesome. It was great to talk with you guys about all of this. Yeah, I feel like we really had, like, a great talk. Like, we always do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It just felt like, honestly, it just felt like an in-depth talk at Brookdale, to be honest. But it's, like, recorded on the podcast. Um, Everyone who listens to this knows that we are all just some some pals being friends. Loving and supporting (laughs) each other through some tough shit. Mm -hmm. For sure. All right, so this is Tea for Three, where we sip the tea and spill the deets. Thanks for listening. Bye, y'all.